of what sin really means. I believe it's important that all of us get a chance to listen to that. Because for years we just think, man, you know, I messed up. But the loving, kind, gracious God is going to forgive us. And that's true. But what happened to your soul when you sinned? What happened? I talked about sometimes some of the sins we commit, they put images in our mind. And so sometimes you innocently just going about your business and here come this image. And the devil won't leave you alone. He'll just keep that image in your mind. And before you know it, you find yourself going in that direction that is not right. And all you're saying to yourself is, yeah, I'll do it and get it over with and I'll move forward. No, every time you sin, it pulls you further and further away from God. It damages your soul more and more and more. And so the devil has us thinking that sin is not that bad because you can repent because God shed his blood for your sins. That's true. But people, there's a lot of people that that is not living for God because sin has them bound. They know in their mind, just like you will today, they know in their mind that what you're saying, what, that, that going to church is right, obeying God is right, but somehow they can't do it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we will know how to get to heaven, but somehow we don't follow the teachings to get to heaven? I'm going to say this today before I get started, and that is this. We have a certain responsibility that we're giving it to God. And God is saying that's your responsibility. We as the children of God have our responsibility that we're trying to pass off on God. And God is saying, I'm not taking that. That's your responsibility. And part of it is (laughs) obedience to God's word. It's easy to come in this church and probably so many other church like this church to come in this church and listen and go home and say that was pretty good because I'm sure I put a lot of effort into studying and praying to preach and minister to you. I'm sure you're going to get something out of what I'm saying. And so it's easy to say that was pretty good and go. But when are you going to stop and say, I have to do what I just heard. That wasn't just pretty good. I need to start doing it. And that is our responsibility as children of God. We ought to obey what God instructs us to do. And so here is what happens a lot. We're all walking around frustrated that This is not working and that's not working and I didn't feel anything in church and this is not changing and I'm still going through this. And it it's only one answer. Have you obeyed the word of God? That is your responsibility. But somehow we think by just being in the church, worshiping the Lord, listening to the music, hearing the preaching, somehow God is supposed to just work everything out. And God is saying, no. Your children with responsibility to obey the word of God. And so if you want to see change in your life, it just comes from, did you obey what was spoken today? So now, I feel like God put that in my heart this morning to say that our responsibility is to obey the the word of God. And we can't just come in and go and leave out because, you know, it's the right thing. 
we have to begin to apply the word of God. God's word only works when it's being applied. Matthew chapter 18. Verse number one says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Question. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is funny. Jesus deals with motives. We talk to people and just talk, but Jesus deals with motives. So watch it in case you missed it. They want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus told them how to get into the kingdom. I love the Lord. And so while they're worrying about greatness in the kingdom, Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You ahead of yourself. You got to be in the kingdom before you can talk about greatness in the kingdom. <laughs> Verse 4 said, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to entitle, or I have entitled today's message, The Kingdom of God Must Be a Priority of Life. The Kingdom of God Must Be a Priority of Life. I'll get to that in a second. The greatest secret to living effectively on the earth is understanding the principle and the power of priorities. But I'm taking my time today. I really want you to hear me and hopefully re respond in obedience to the word of God. Not me, the word of God. Life on earth holds no greater challenge than the complicating daily demands of choosing among competing alternatives for our limited time. Our life is the sum total of all the decisions we make every day. And those decisions are determined by priorities. Every decision that you make every day, you make them according to what you believe is important. You make them according to what you think is priority. So when you wake up and you choose not to do this, but you will do this, you are choosing out of what you believe is high priority to low priority. To you, that is. Someone else might think, what are you, crazy? That's not priority, but it doesn't matter. It's what you think is priority that you determine what to choose to do or not do because it depends on what you think is a major priority. How we use our time every day defines our life. How we use our time every day will determine or define our life. 
Life was designed to be simple, not complicated. And the key to simplifying life is prioritization. Identifying the correct and right priority of life is the key to a fulfilled and successful life. What, are, what is priority? Someone may want to ask. What is priority? Priority is defined as the principal thing. Priority is defined as putting first things first. Priority is defined as establishing the most important thing. Priority is the primary focus. Priority is placing in order of importance. Priority is placing the highest value and worth upon. And so if we're going to live life according to priority, we have to now determine what is the most important thing. What is first things first? What is, what am I putting first? Where am I placing order of importance in the things that I do? Am I just wondering and just taking life as it may, doing what I feel like doing? Or am I living life on purpose and prioritizing everything in my life? Priority. The kingdom of God must be a priority of life. So the disciples came to Jesus and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? That question revealed two things about what was going on in the disciples' mind. It revealed two things. When they said, who is the greatest? There's two things that you can right away learn from that. Right? The kingdom of God is on their mind and they wanted to know who is great in the kingdom. The kingdom was on their mind for them to ask about the kingdom and who is great was something that concerned them. I do not know why they wanted to know who was great in the kingdom. Maybe they wanted to know how can they become great in the kingdom. Or maybe they was, as we like to, we like, they want to compete. Maybe it was competition. Maybe they desired a position. I don't know. But they wanted to know about greatness in the kingdom. And they wanted to know about the kingdom. One of the things we talked about this past Thursday is that we can be selfish and self-serving as people. One of the many characteristics we have taken on due to the fallen nature that we have is selfishness and self-seeking. God didn't create us to be selfish and self-serving and self-seeking. He did not create us like that. We took on that characteristics from Satan. And so today we're wondering why everything has to be about what do I get out of the deal? 
We're living life that we make decisions on whether we will partake or not partake depends on what we're getting out the deal. It's very difficult to find somebody that will do something just out of the goodness of their heart and not look back for anything. It's hard to find people that's saying, I'm not doing this because it's going to make me look good. I'm not doing this because I want one day for you to give me something back. But I'm doing it just because of who I am. I am a child of God and I'm not looking for anything in return. I am just doing it because that's who I am. We don't operate like that. We don't even realize that we operate selfishly and self-seekingly. We don't realize that because it's just automatic. We find ourselves going in a direction where we know we will get something out of the deal. We don't realize it. Matter of fact, proof, we are here this morning, most of us, I'm going to probably go to 99.99% of us are here this morning because we feel like I can get something. I can benefit from going to church. You see why going to church to God is not good enough? Because our mind is so warped with this, this fallen nature that we come to church Usually out of selfishness. I want to get to heaven. Maybe I can get a word from God about the situation I'm struggling with. And so I'm going to church. You never said nothing about. I'm just going today to let God know I appreciate what he's doing in my life. I'm just going today because I am going to worship. I'm just going today because somebody needs to be encouraged. And I want to be an encourager. I'm going today because I want to give God the praise and the honor. I'm not going because I need a word. I'm not going because I need healing. I'm not going because I need deliverance. I'm not going because I need a blessing. I'm going because I want to give God the praise that he so deserves. Whatever you sow, so if you came in selfishly, you're going to leave out. It's very difficult to get something when you're not given anything. In order to receive, we have to become givers. And if all we want to do is receive, we will never, we'll never, if all we want to do is receive, we will never be able to get anything if we don't give. So we took on this fallen nature that Satan has put upon us. Because in case you don't know, listen to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. Just trying to let you know, you, you was not created to be selfish. You was not created to be self-seeking. You was not created to just think about me, me, me and what I can receive. And I'm telling you, it's probably one of our biggest adversary is me, 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 what I want to receive, what I want to be done for me. It's probably one of our biggest adversary. And so you weren't created to be that way, but it happened to be placed upon you because of Adam when he sinned. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 13 says, For thou hast said, it's talking about 
Lucifer before he became the devil, but it's the same person. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. The devil was the first one to become self-seeking and to become selfish. When he was in heaven, he was created to be the covered cherub. He was in heaven. He had his position in heaven. He was living good. I mean, nobody was made like Lucifer. He was living really good. But after a while, he started feeling like that wasn't good enough. I need to be like God. Can I tell you something that's really, really a problem with us? We have not settled on, God, I just want to be who you created me to be. I don't want to be like nobody else. I don't want to accomplish nobody else's goals. I only want to be who you created me to be. And I only want to accomplish the things you created me to accomplish. We're looking around and we're looking at other people and we're looking at other situations and all of a sudden we think that's what we're supposed to do. We think that's what we're supposed to be. And as long as you live trying to be somebody else, trying to accomplish somebody else's mission you can't be who you are we're in trouble because we don't realize God created everybody in this world with purpose as a matter of fact your purpose was created before you was created and so when you came out the womb, unfortunately for many of us, our parents didn't pray and seek the Lord like Hannah and say, God, I want a man-child. And God gave her a man-child and he became a prophet. Many of us didn't have that. But guess what? We still can seek God and say, God, my mom didn't pray. My daddy didn't pray. But what did you bring me into this world to be? Is it a prophet? Is it an evangelist? Is it a Sunday school teacher? Who did you call me into this? well to be because if I'm not that I'm failing you I'm failing myself and I'm failing God when I'm trying to do something that God didn't call me to do or try to be something God didn't call me to be I want to be who I was created to be I want to accomplish what God created me to accomplish Life is difficult because you're swimming against the tides. What does that mean? I'm trying to live a different life than what I was created to live. I'm trying to accomplish things that I was not brought into this world to accomplish. And so while I'm doing that, I'm swimming against the tides. I'm getting tired. I'm getting worn out. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting stressed out. And I'm getting tired. And when I get tired, and when I get frustrated, and when I get worn out, the devil comes in and do whatever he wants. And I stand there, sit there, and just take it because I'm worn out, because I'm frustrated, because I'm just depleted. Jesus. 
Somebody please hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord today. You got to go back to the cross. You got to go back to Calvary. You got to get back on your face. You got to get back into God's presence and say, God, I'm sorry for living the life that I want to live because that's not the life you created for me. I'm just doing what I want. I'm just living the way I want. But I'm stopping right here and right now. And I cry out to you and say, God, what was on your mind when you created me? What was on your heart when you brought me into this world? What was it that you wanted me to do? What was it? What was it, God? What was it? Because we can keep on going and keep on living and all we're doing. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember in the word of the Lord. I remember when the scripture talked about that the, 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 the Pharisees, uh, in the, they would go in the streets to pray. And, and they had on their, their long robes and they would go in the street and pray and they would pray so people can see them in the streets while they were praying to say, oh, that's some religious man. And I remember Jesus said, they're praying because they want to be seen. And he says, guess what? They have their reward. And I never forgot that as the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what that means? The reason why they pray was for people to see them. And you know what God says? And people saw them, which means they got their reward, but they never got their prayers answered. God never blessed them. Nothing happened for them because all they wanted was for people to see them. And God said, they have the reward, but people seeing them can't help them. But if they will pray to me, if they will want to come into my presence, if they will see my face, if they will cry out to me, if they will pray to me, then I will reward them. Then I will bless them. Then I will take care of them. What am I telling you that for? Because if you live the way you want, you have your reward. You, heaven will not be your reward. You're getting your reward by living the way you want. You have your reward. If you decide, I just want to enjoy life. You will enjoy life. Life will be good to you, but that's your reward. Heaven is not your reward. If you want to just do what you want, hey, guess what? You have your reward. It won't be the reward from God. It will be the reward that you gave yourself. Hmm. God help me. God help me. And so, God is trying to help us this morning to let us know Selfishness didn't come from him. Self-seeking didn't come from him. God created you to be selfless like he is selfless. God created you to seek your purpose and your will in Christ, not somebody else's. Jesus, when they asked him, who is great? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus called the little child and set him in the middle and said, Except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That word converted jumped out at me. 
soon as he said, except ye be converted. Remember what I said at the beginning. They wanted to know who is the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus had to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You in the king, you talking about the greatest in the kingdom and you not even talking about how to get in the kingdom. So before we can discuss how the kingdom operate, we first must talk about how to get in the kingdom. And so Jesus slowed them down and says, except ye be converted. What does that word converted mean? What, what, what does that mean? We must be converted. Conversion means to strengthen from the foundation. To be strengthened from the base, the foundation. I don't know if you read your Bible where it says that there's no sure foundation but Jesus Christ himself. So your foundation is Jesus Christ. And the way you're going to experience conversion is you have to be strengthened from the foundation. Conversion is to turn around. Conversion is to turn back to original state. When one is converted, there is an initial change of attitude. And will that that attitude will bring that person into right relationship with Almighty God. The fullest description of conversion occurred in the book of Acts, dealing with the Apostle Paul and his conversion. And there's some description there that talks about to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ Jesus. Conversion involves turning away from evil deeds and false worship and turning towards serving and worshiping the Almighty God. Conversion marks a person's entrance into a new relationship with the Almighty God. So when we are converted or when we're in the process of conversion, those are the things that will begin to happen to us. In order to approach the process and to begin the process of conversion, the first thing one must do is repent. I heard the term back in the day, you went down a dry center and came up a wet center. People got baptized, but because there were no repentance, they were still a sinner. So they went down as a dry center, and when they hit the water, they got wet and they came back up. Wet center. Nothing changed. But because we heard about this baptism thing, we think that everybody that get baptized went through the process of conversion. And so, repentance is what begins your conversion. Repentance is what has to be done for conversion to take place in one's life. Repentance is turning from sin, turning from your own ways of living, and turning to the Almighty God. Thus, conversion is more than the exchange of one set of belief for another set of beliefs. It is a wholehearted turning to God and allowing God to give you a new heart. Whenever I do baptism, I perform baptism for someone, 
I always ask them to repent. I ask them to lift their hands and I said, pray this prayer of repentance with me. And one of the things I also include is I tell them, as God has forgiven you for your sins, you now forgive everybody that ever done you wrong. You cannot decide you're going to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But when you get ready to go down, you want to repent to God and ask God to forgive you. But you holding somebody up. You will not. You went down a dry sinner and you came up a wet sinner. When we give our life to God, we're supposed to repent of everything we've ever done wrong. And then we're supposed to say, if anybody's done me wrong, whoever I got in my heart that I'm disliking and got a problem with, God, I have no more problem with them because today you are forgiving me of my sins. And so I am repenting and asking you for forgiveness. And I ask, Lord God, that you hold no charge to those people that have ought against me. And I don't have no ought against them. For this day my life I commend in your hands. That's repentance. You turn from your own ways. Conversion consists of repentance. The first thing you have to do is repent. And so everything you just heard me say is how you want to approach repentance. That's how you ask for forgiveness. That's how you get your heart right. That's how you get your life right. What you're saying is I'm no longer going to live the way I want to live. This is my life. I can live any way I want. Sure you can. But that's your reward. You're getting this. We can do whatever we want. Don't even worry about the preacher. Preacher can preach his heart out. Because guess what? I've learned. I learned from Jeremiah and I learned from Moses. Moses was a good pastor for a good while. But he was getting frustrated with the people because he kept telling them what to do and they wouldn't do it. And so he got frustrated and started disobeying God. God said, whoa, Mo. You working for me. You don't work for them. How, how are they frustrating you? You know what? They mine. I died for them, so guess what? Get on up out of here, Mo. I'm taking you home because you frustrated with my people that I love that I'm dying for. You can't handle this job. You got to go. So I learned I'm not frustrated with nobody. I will never get frustrated with you because I know when I get frustrated, I'm going to be looking for some other pastor to take this place because I can't, I can't pastor you with frustration. God will spank me and remove me. And before I get to that place, I'm just going to get out of the way and say, God, can you find somebody else because I'm frustrated. Then I learned from Jeremiah. And what Jeremiah did was, he couldn't help himself. The people hated him, and he had to still go in front of them and proclaim what God told him to proclaim. And so he didn't want to say a lot of things. He was the prophet that says, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Because what it came down to is, he didn't want to say what God put on his heart, because it was just, man, it was going to cut people. And he didn't want to say it, but the word of God was like fire inside of him. And he couldn't restrain himself, and he had to just open his mouth and speak and so the bottom line is the prophet will speak the man of God will speak but it's still up to the children of God to decide if they will obey and execute and do what thus saith the Lord still up to the children of God and so because I know that I'm saying, God, hold on, help me here God not to be frustrated and help me to speak your word God's got me good because I tell y'all all the time I'm a people pleaser and people pleaser don't like to offend people. 
People pleaser always want to say the right things all the time. People pleaser always want to make you feel good. That's me. That's me. I'm always going to try to make you feel good. But God has put me in a very precarious situation because when he decides that you're going to preach this word the way I want you to preach this word, it's killing me because here I am. I got to be getting it out like fire shut up in my bones. And I'm like, God, I don't want to say that. No, it's, oh God, I don't want to say that. And guess what? I better say it. I didn't call myself. He called me. So I better do what he tells me to do. And so repentance can't live the way you want. You're telling God, no more God, no more. I'm going to, I'm not going to live the way that I want. The Bible says in the book of John chapter three, verse three to eight, that Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I know you are a prophet from God for all those miracles that thou doest. You must be from God to do them. Jesus again, here go Jesus slick. He asked Jesus about prophets, about the, the, the miracles Jesus was doing. Guess what Jesus says? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, now hold on, Jesus. You, you put it up there. Thank you. So look at it. Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, except a man. Be, go to go to verse two. Nicodemus said unto him, how can it? No, no, go, go back to. No, no, no. Verse two. Verse two. Go back one more. Can you go back on? There you go. Then it says, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You see, we always caught up in stuff that can, we want stuff done for us. He weren't about the miracles. Again, look how Jesus operate. We're not worrying about no miracles. Go to verse 3. Jesus, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born, he cannot see the king. I thought Nicodemus was asking them about miracles. No? Jesus told him he had to be born again. So Jesus is always going to deal with what's priority. This is what we're talking about priorities today. Jesus will always deal with priority. Priority. And so he told them he must be born again. So in order to be converted, listen to me, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. Let me stand over here so you can see me. So in order to be born again, of, uh, in order to be converted, here is what you have to do to be converted. You must first repent of your sins. And I'm not talking about, oh, Father, forgive me for my sins. I know that you died and rose on the third day. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about bona fide repentance, turning from our own way and turning to God. Again, you don't have to do that. It's something that you choose to do when you do it. You don't have to turn from your ways. But if you're going to call yourself a child of God, or better yet, if God is going to consider you his child, you have to turn from your own ways and turn to the Lord. So you repent, turn from your own ways, and now you get what we call born again. So in order to be born again, the Bible says we must be born of the water and of the spirit. What is water? That is baptism. So if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your sins to be removed, you have not been converted. So you must be baptized. And let me tell you this. If you got baptized and you didn't understand what it was all about, you need to get re-baptized because this is too important to take any part of it for granted. 
So you might say, I was baptized when I was a kid. I was christened when I was a kid. All of this stuff. Or I remember one time I went to that church and I got baptized. Can I tell you this? Are you willing to trust your whole eternal life on something you did that you weren't sure? It was vague. It wasn't clear to you. You don't even remember what they said. You're going to rest your whole future on that. Or you're just going to get it right. And so we have to get baptized in water and God says, I will remove your sins. And then he says, and I will baptize you with my spirit. So then he will baptize you. He will, he will consume you with his spirit and you will be filled with his spirit. And how you know you fill with his spirit? You will begin to speak in a language that you never spoke before. That's how you're going to know you have his spirit in you. That's conversion. Listen to this. So conversion is a new spiritual beginning in a person's relationship with God. So when you get converted, it's your new relationship with God. When we are converted, our sins are blotted out. Somebody say, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Lord. When we are converted, we understand what God's word says. You ever wonder sometimes why you're not really getting it? Well, maybe you ain't really converted yet. When we are converted, we will see things differently. I was talking to somebody this week and they was coming at somebody hard, a Christian person and a Christian person. And I said to the person, well, if you think that person is so wrong, shouldn't we be praying? Because here's the story. When you are converted, you see things differently. What's the sense of me criticizing, talking about you? No. If something is wrong with you and I'm a real bona fide Christian, I need to pray that God open your eyes to see. I need to pray for God to give you direction. I need to pray that God will bless you. Why would I want to talk about you? So we we see things differently when we're converted. When we're converted, we experience spiritual healing. When we are converted, we will assist in getting others converted. Conversion is not just saying some little prayer. It's not just, just confessing sins. It's a whole lot more than that. Conversion means you turn your life to Christ and no longer you are the one in charge of your life. So conversion consists of repentance and being born again of the water and of the spirit. And so the Lord says, unless you are converted and become as little children, You cannot enter the kingdom. Hmm. You cannot enter the kingdom. Jesus said in order to enter the kingdom, we must be converted and become as little children. That's what Jesus says. Why did Jesus say we must become as little children? I'm close. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Why did Jesus say we must become as little children? All right. 
children have this inability to conceal their thoughts. They can't conceal their thoughts. We like that. They speak what's on their mind. Their love has no artistry to it. They are just simple. They are naked and not ashamed, Jordan. They don't assume and they don't disguise things. They are ready to receive instructions. They rely on their parents to provide for them and to instruct them. They don't, they don't act entitled. They take gifts naturally and without distressing themselves as to their right to the gifts. But as we grow older, these children, we clothe ourselves with skepticism and guard ourselves against deception. We train our spirit to believe in nothing but the most obvious, commonplace, physical thing. If it ain't obvious, if it ain't really what you can see, then guess what? You don't believe it. I pray we will respond to God when he says we need to become as little children. See, you can't be a grown-up and enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) Grown-ups can't enter God's kingdom. And I believe that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to act like we're grown-up. To enter God's kingdom. But grown-ups cannot enter God's kingdom. Mm. Listen to this. Some of us may have been born again, but we need to repent and become as little children. If you're living the way you want to live, you need to repent and turn unto the Lord. If you are filled with haughtiness and pride, you need to repent. You need to be converted and become as a little child. It is by conversion and becoming as little children can we enter the kingdom of God. And so here is what you may be missing. Little children... Depend on their parents for instructions. Follow me where I'm going. If you're truly converted and you have become a child of God, are you following the instructions of daddy? Little children are honest with their thoughts and expression. Are you honest with your thoughts and expression to your daddy? Little children don't mind running around naked before you. Are you okay with making yourself vulnerable to God? I don't know, God. I'm a mess. Here I am, Lord. 
Do, are you transparent before God? Do you get before God and just, and, and just become naked before Him in all of your thinking, in all of your ways? Or do you think you can conceal something from Him? Do you get in front of God and says, God, I don't understand. What I will do is follow your instructions. What I will do is obey you. But I don't know how to do all this. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to read all this stuff. I don't understand what it means. But I know I will obey whatever you say God do we go to him like that do we go to him like that and here we go as as, as children as children we wait for our children for our parents to tell us what to do and guess what who in here have children that you let them do whatever they want oh it's quiet so what happened when they do whatever they want? Okay. Well, if you're a child of God, you going to do whatever you want? The kingdom of God must be a priority of life. And so here we are. At the kingdom. So how we're going to enter the kingdom. We have to be converted to enter the kingdom. If we're not converted we can't enter the kingdom. Man listen. There are some things we can deceive ourselves about. And make ourselves believe. And it might not hurt anything. Please I'm begging you all here today. Don't deceive yourself about the kingdom of God. You're not in the kingdom if you're just doing whatever you want. You're not in the kingdom if you obey you. You're not in the kingdom if you're not submitted to God. You are not in the kingdom. And if you're not in the kingdom, guess what? You will not spend eternity with God because you're doing what you want. And when you do what you want, you get your reward that you produced. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? Does anybody know what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God sometimes is the same, but other times is different. So sometimes when you hear the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about heaven where we will go. But sometimes you hear the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the kingdom of God. But let me tell you what the kingdom of God is so it blows your mind and then you realize, oh snap, I may not be in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the domain where Jesus Christ rules and reigns and have complete authority. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God is the domain where Jesus Christ rules and reigns and have complete authority. So, there's a scripture in Luke that says, you know, people are going to say, load the kingdom here or load the kingdom there. And Jesus is going to say to them, no, 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 no. The kingdom does not come with observation. It's not a building. It's not a sanctuary. It's not a palace. It's not a temple. It's not a, a, a state. It's not a country. But the kingdom of God is within you. So here is what it means. It means when God has complete rule and reign in your life, when God has complete authority in your life, you are now in the kingdom. Because any place where the king is, is in complete control, any place where the king occupies, that's where he is the king. <laughs> uh, that was tough for y'all. 
Because we wanted to think when we come to church, we in the kingdom. We wanted to think that we can go into a nice sanctuary and that's the kingdom. We want to think we can probably go over Israel and, and that's the kingdom. We want to think we go to one of them old temples that was built, that's the kingdom. We got this battle over the Middle East about, you know, who owns what and who owns what territory. Because people are thinking territories are kingdom. But God's territory is us. It's our life. That's where he wants to have territory. Because the most important thing in this world is not land. The most important thing in this world is not money. The most important thing in this world is not gold or silver. The most important thing in this world is the human life. And so God is not interested with lands and territories and buildings. God is interested in am I ruling in your life? Am I reigning in your life? Do I have full authority in your life because if I do that is the kingdom that is the kingdom that is the kingdom God is not looking for a place a building he's looking to have authority in your life He's looking to reign in your life. That is his kingdom. That is his kingdom. That's what God is looking for. Will you stand with me? He told us how to enter the kingdom. Then he talked about how to be great in the kingdom. And we know... The answer to how to be great, who's the greatest in the kingdom, was easy. That was easier than entering into the kingdom. Jesus says, in order to be great in the kingdom, you have to humble yourself. And so if you become a part of the family of God and you enter the kingdom, you want to be great? Humble yourself. That's what God is talking about when he says, who will be great in the kingdom? Humble yourself. It's only through humility can God work in your life in the kingdom. It's only through humility will God do great things through you. If God is not working through us, we need to check ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? What am I not doing? If God is not working in me and through me, I need to find out what I need to get right. The kingdom of God must be a priority of life. And today I pray that what I said to you, you will do something about it. I can't tell you what to do. I just know I can only preach what God tell me to preach. And the kingdom of God must be priority. And so every person in this room this morning, this afternoon, needs to realize and ask themselves, am I in the kingdom or am I not in the kingdom? And if I'm not in the kingdom, how do I get in the kingdom? Well, I told you how to get into the kingdom. If you thought you were in the kingdom, but somehow you haven't been living like you are in the kingdom, then I told you what you have to do is repent and say, Lord, I realize I've been living my own way. Lord, I realize I'm living how I want. 
we need to do something today before we leave. I believe God is strongly ministering to your heart to tell you, you better do something today. Today is not like every day that you have come to this place on a Sunday. But today is a day that you need to do something. You need to position yourself. And we cannot put our responsibility anymore on Jesus. And so Jesus is telling us today, do your part to get into the kingdom. Do your part to get in the right relationship with me. When you get in the kingdom and you humble yourself, then I will do what needs to be done after that. But until you do your part, I can't do nothing with you. Will you do your part today? Will you decide today I'm going to press my way into the kingdom? Will you decide today I'm going to get it right and stop playing games? Will you decide today I'm going to obey God rather than obeying myself? Will we just take some time right now? Take some time. I don't know where you are, but God knows where you are. God is speaking to your heart. You have heard the word of God. God is trying to position us. God is telling us, don't you desire somebody else's life? Oh, don't you look to the left or to the right and thinking that that's what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be, or what you're supposed to be accomplishing. God wants some of you here today to come to him in prayer to say, God, I do not know my purpose. I am lost when it comes down to purpose. Will you guide me to the path of where my purpose is in you? Will somebody today surrender to God and says, all of my motivation and aspiration and drive for what I want, I'm putting it to the side this moment, God, and I'm now going to put everything on what you want for my life. It's not until I seek you and understand the purpose you have for me can I ever get back to the things I wanted to do. God loves you. And I'm going to tell you this. God loves you. And because you have aspiration to be a leader on your job, because you have aspiration to, to, to make good money where you can provide for other family members, because you have aspirations to, to, to become a professional. God didn't say you won't get there. What he's saying is you have to know your purpose in me first, because if you know your purpose in me, when you become a doctor, when you become a nurse, when you become an attorney, when you become whatever you become, you will realize how to let that work where you can be a light, where you can be a witness. You can be a doctor. You can be a nurse. You can be oh, a, a, a lawyer. You can be an engineer. You can be whatever you set out to be professionally. But it's better when you know who you are in God and understand your purpose in God. Because God will make that engineer uh, situation work better. He will make that doctor situation work better. He will allow that attorney situation to work better. And you will blow up bigger than you can ever blow up. All because you understood your purpose before you got involved with all the other stuff. So God is not telling you don't have aspiration. God is not telling you you can't be a professional. What he's telling you is find your purpose first in me. And when you find your purpose in me, everything else will fall in line. Everything else will work the way it has to work. But find your purpose in me. Will somebody go before the Lord today? 
Will somebody talk to the Lord right now? Will somebody take a moment to fall on their face and cry out to Jesus? Will somebody decide that today this service is going to change my life? Will somebody decide today I really never repented the way I needed to? So I will repent the right way today. Will somebody decide I'm no longer going to let the devil control my life? I am resisting him today. Will somebody make a decision right now? Make a decision today, today. And knowing that you will not walk out of these church doors today the same way. But you will wake, you walk out today oh, with something different in your heart. With a new heart. With, with a different mindset. You will walk out of here today with something else in you saying, God, I am with you. God, I want your purpose to be fulfilled. God, I want your spirit to reign in my life. I want to be in the kingdom. And the kingdom is where you rule. The kingdom is where you reign. The kingdom is where you have all authority. And so God, this life that is like a vapor that appeared for a little time, that it vanishes away. This life that I think is so precious. And I'm trying to do everything I can to make the best of what I got. Lord, you said they that will lose their life for your sake will gain eternal life. And so today, I just want to lose this life for the sake of Christ. I just want this life to be the use that you want it to be. And so today, Lord God, I want to turn it all over to you. I turn it all over to you to say, here is my heart. Here is my mind. Here is my soul. Here is my spirit. Here is my tongue. Here I am, Lord. Will you do whatsoever you need to do in me? Because God, you have full ownership. You have full authority in my life. I want you to do whatever you want. I want you to reign over me and reign in me. Come on, somebody. You've got to cry out to God today. It's not easy at first. But if you keep at it, you keep at it. It will become easier. If you keep at it, it will become easier. But to start out, it's not easy. It's never easy to start out. But when you keep at it, God wants to help you. God will see you through. God will help you. God will strengthen you. God will help you to be more than conqueror. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. Your deliverance is here. Your restoration is here. Oh God. God is here today. God is here today. God is here today. He has given instructions. He has given direction. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Will you receive it? And say Lord I receive it. Lord I will obey it. Lord I will walk in it because you are my God. You are the strength of my life. You are my everything. You are my source. You are my strength. You are my pillar. You are my strong tower. You are my kingsman redeemer. You are the source of my strength. You are the light of my life. You are my comforter. You are my healer. You are my provider. Oh great God and king, you are my everything. You are my everything. Everything. You are my everything. Today, Lord God, I pray that you will move upon this body, this congregation, Lord God. I pray that you will move upon every one of us. And that, Lord God, there will be a 
awakening and awakening in our soul. It will be an awakening. The Holy Ghost will take charge. We will give you access, Lord God, that no longer, Lord Jesus, will we shut you out, but we will open our heart to you, open our mind to you, that today, Lord God, today, oh God, somebody will trust you. Somebody, God said, if you will trust him, he will bless you beyond your understanding. He will bless you beyond measure. If you will trust him, he said, if you will trust me, if you will become vulnerable to me, if you will just lay down your life for me, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. I will raise you up and I will set you in a place where no man can move you. I'm the Lord and I change not. I am the Lord. I will keep you. I will uphold you and I will sustain you. I am the Lord and there is none else besides me. I am the Lord and I gave everything for you. Will somebody call upon the name of Jesus? He loves you more than anything else. He cares for you more than anything else. He is not telling you to give him your life just so he can say, I've got it. He wants to do something with it. He wants to do something great with your life. He wants to do something special with your life. Uh, Somebody cry out to Jesus today. Somebody cry out to Jesus today. Somebody give your heart to Jesus today. Will you do something different today? Will you worship Him in spirit and in truth? Will you call upon His name today? Will you surrender to Him today? Somebody got to refuse to remain the same. I refuse to remain the same. I refuse to not be changed. I refuse to not obey God. I will obey God. I don't care what anybody wants to think of me. I don't care what anybody wants to say about me. I don't care how people want to treat me. I will obey God with everything that is in me. Somebody, you need to make up your mind and make that declaration that you will obey God no matter what. That it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what people think about you. But you will just obey God because of who He is. You will just obey God for how He's been good to you. You will just obey God because of all the wonderful things He has done. Oh God, help us today. God, we love you. Oh, just.